Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. If you have a Bible with you, open it up to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. It says, To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways of Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We come to you in the power of your Holy Spirit who inspired the psalmist to write these words. And we pray that that same Spirit would now be present here with me as I teach your word and to be present with everyone who is watching and listening right now to be able to hear your voice speaking through your living and active word. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, maybe for you, it's a restaurant with a large group of friends. Maybe it's Canada's wonderland. Maybe it's just sitting down at a Tim Hortons and not having to immediately vacate the premises. Maybe it's getting on an airplane to visit loved ones overseas that you haven't seen in months. Maybe it's being at BMO Field together with all of the other supporters of TFC watching a soccer match. All of us have different longings right now in this season, places where we want to go. We can't yet get there. I'm sure for many of the Hope Church Toronto North family, it's Dante Alighieri. It's it's that school, the place where you meet together for worship. I'm recording this video right now at 7755 10th Line, where our church, Hope Church Mississauga, meets together. We all have these longings to be in a particular place. C.S. Lewis said that our best havings, our 
are our longings. Our longings are the most important things that we have. The most important things about us are the things that we long for. Psalm 84 is a psalm of longing. Longing for a place. The introductory notes, these are from the inspired text. It says it was to the choir master according to the gittith. That's probably a musical term or a, a description of a particular familiar melody that this psalm was supposed to be sung to. It says that it was written by the sons of Korah. Now, Korah was Moses' cousin, and he led a rebellion in Numbers chapter 16. He thought that Moses was power hungry, but Korah was really the one who was power hungry, and he led this coup. He tried to over overthrow not just Moses' authority, but God's authority. And Moses really demonstrated in Numbers chapter 16 what true spiritual leadership ought to be. Moses didn't try to stand his ground. No, Moses fell on his face in prayer of desperation. And what God did to Korah in that moment was incredible. God opened up the earth and swallowed Korah and all of the other people that were participating in the rebellion. Now think about this. Moses got on his face. Now, Moses could have tried to dig a ditch and put Korah and all of the rebels into it, but that would have been physically impossible. But no, Moses relied on God. He humbled himself. He got on his face. And Korah was judged in that moment. Now, we're told in Numbers 26, verse 11, that the sons of Korah survived. And then later on in the story, we're told in the book of First Chronicles chapter, uh, chapter 9 that the, the, the sons of Korah actually, uh, as Levites, because they were part of uh, Moses' family tree, part of the Levitical family tree, they became the keepers of the threshold. That's why in Psalm 84 it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. They actually were the doorkeepers of the tabernacle and then the temple, but they were also singer-songwriters. They were worship leaders and that incredible story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18 and 19, when Jehoshaphat is being invaded and he, like Moses, falls on his face and prays for God to intervene in their situation. It says in 2 Chronicles 20, 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, the Kohathites, and notice this, and the Korahites, those are the sons of Korah, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And if you know that story, God commanded Jehoshaphat not to have the soldiers lead the army. He told the worship leaders to lead the army. And the sons of Korah were among those worship leaders. So the sons of Korah are well known. They wrote a number of psalms, particularly in the, in the 40s of the book of Psalms. And this one, Psalm 84, this psalm of longing. You can note as we look in the psalm here that it's broken up by three selahs at the end of, of verse 4 and at the end of verse 8 and at the, at the very end of the, uh, of the psalm. It's not a selah, but that's the end. So those two selahs divide this poem into three major stanzas. A selah simply means to lift up. It, 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 it probably means like a rest, to lift your hands up from the instrument, to stop playing for a minute, and just to allow what was just sung, to allow people to reflect on it and really uh, think about it. And so I want to share with you today three 
things, really three blessings that come to people who are longing. And the way I get these three blessings are found at the end of the first stanza in verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house. The beginning of the second stanza in verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And then at the very end of the psalm in verse 12, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So this message is really about the blessing of longing, longing for a particular place, not an address specifically, but longing for the presence of God. God is present everywhere, but to know him personally, to experience his work in our lives, that is what we ought to be longing for in this season. And loved ones, this longing that I'm, that I'm describing, this longing will not ultimately be fulfilled uh, one day when we all gather again in our local church bodies. This longing could, could be fulfilled in part right now for you at your kitchen table, in your living room. And ultimately this longing will be fulfilled when we are in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. So here's the psalm about longing. Here's the the heading that I want you to put over the the first stanza. Here it is, heading number one, longing for God's presence. Longing for God's presence. Verse one says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. He he wants to be in God's dwelling place. He's, He's referring here to the temple or to the tabernacle. He says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the court's of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. My heart, my inside, and my flesh, my outside, my entire being is longing for the presence of God. You see, we are people who are continually longing. We, we, we are people who long for the past and who also look forward to progress. We're, we're, we're preoccupied with the things of the past. We're obsessed with wanting things to go back to the way that they once were. And yet we're also preoccupied with progress and with the future. Certain times I I think about cassette tapes. I think about the days when CFTR 680 was a hit music station, not a news radio station. And and you could uh, put a little cassette tape into your ghetto blaster and hit record and and Maestro Fresh Wes and all of your favorite music. You You could record right then and there. Sometimes I feel nostalgic about the past. I long for the simpler days of the past, but I also long for progress. Sometimes I get I get upset that I can't I can't listen to the Canadian version of Men Without Hats Safety Dance on my Spotify. I I, I can't get it to load. You see, we have these longings. We long for the past, and yet we also somehow long for something to come that will be better in the future. That's because we're human beings. That's because we are all longing, not just for the past, not just for the late 80s, early 90s. We are longing for those days of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We're all longing for the past. We're longing for the days before sin, the days before the curse. All of us, our heart and our flesh, cries out for the living God. We are longing for those days. We're longing for the past, but we're also longing for progress. We are longing for that day when we will be together with every tribe and nation and tongue, and we will be one together in the presence of God. You see, for believers in Jesus Christ, we have these bookends that describe our history and our future. Our history is in Eden, our future is in eternity. That's why we are a people that are characterized by longing. 
He goes on in verse three, he says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The, the psalmist sort of dreams about being a bird, just wishing, if I, w- I wish I could just fly, just fly over all of my circumstances, fly over all of the obstacles, all of the challenges in my life. If I could ju- just get like a bird and, and grow wings and fly into God's presence. He, he's thinking about the, the birds that would build little nests in the, uh, in the truss and in, the, in, in the, the structure of the tabernacle and the temple. The psalmist is saying, why can't I be like that? And then he says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Now, now the truth is no one permanently dwelled in the house of God. They didn't even have chairs uh, in the temple, let alone uh, bunk beds or hammocks or a place for a priest or a Levite to stay the night. He's speaking metaphorically. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to know God's presence 24-7. He wants to dwell in God's presence. And then there is a Selah at the end of verse four. So this is an opportunity for us to lift up for a moment, for us to stop and to pause and to ask ourselves, what am I longing for? If you were to finish the sentence, if I only had blank, how would you, how would you finish that Sentence. Are you, are you longing for, for a, a more stable uh, uh, finances? Are you longing to, to find a spouse? Are you longing to get healthy again as you struggle with sickness? Are you longing for this crazy world to get back to normal? What are you longing for? Remember that all of those smaller longings, earthly longings, ultimately point to our ultimate longing for God and his presence. Listen, I'm not saying that none of those other things matter. I'm saying that we need to look through those longings and see what's happening beneath the surface, see what's deeper at the core of our very being. We are longing, we're looking back to Eden, we're looking forward to eternity. We are longing for the presence of God. Here comes the second stanza of people who are blessed. People who are blessed are relying on God's strength. So the first stanza was longing for God's presence. The second one is relying on God's strength. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The blessing comes to people who don't rely on their own strength, but they are relying on the strength that only comes from God and that they are on a journey, that they're, they're going on a highway, on a highway to Zion. They're, they're moving down the, down the 401. They're, they're on a road trip. They're going to Zion. But notice that this is, this is a internal, personal, spiritual journey that they're on. It says, in whose heart are the highways of Zion? You see, the, the, the presence of God is not merely a physical place. God doesn't live at Dante Alighieri. He doesn't live at 77 10th, 7755 10th line. God is present 
everywhere. And we as new covenant believers, we are the temple and our hearts. That that was always God's intention, that God would dwell among us, that God would dwell in us, that our hearts, our new covenant, new regenerate hearts have the highways of Zion imprinted on them. Verse six says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Baca means weeping. As we journey along this highway, as we follow our longings, our longings for eternity, our longings for things to be brought back to the way they were in Eden, there will be tears. There will be baca. There is a valley of tears that all of us will go through. If you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to lead you to some hard places. But it's important to notice how this sentence is structured. It says, as they go through the Valley of Baca. It doesn't say go to the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca is not a destination. No, it's a place where we go through. It's not a place where we go to. We don't belong there. We don't stay there. Some of us feel like the journey through that valley is disproportionately long, but we need to understand that we're always going through it. It will come to an end. And, and not only can we be encouraged by the fact that, that these trips through the valley of Baca are not permanent, we can also be encouraged that these journeys through the valley of Baca always have a purpose. Verse 6 says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, those tears become a spring of water. They give life to the person that is going through the valley and they also give life to others. This is why Paul could say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 about how because of, because of the way God has comforted him in affliction, he is able to comfort others. Those tears become a spring of life for all those around us. It goes on to say the early rain also covers it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. I love this. We're all on this journey. We're on this journey together. We're going to get through the valley of Baca. We're going to, we're, there's going to be some tears. It's going to be hard, but there's going to be a purpose. But verse 7 it tells us each one appears before God. We're all going to get there. This is the perseverance of the saints. That God, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, that God who began a good work in us, he will carry it to completion. Not because of our faithfulness to God, but because of God's faithfulness to us. That we will all stand, we're all going to get there. I love that. This psalm about longing and this journey right here in the middle. We're barely halfway through the psalm. And there's assurance that we are all going Together. We're not going to fly there like a bird. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be tears. It's going to be hard, but we're all going to get there. Verse 7 is so important. It says, they go from strength to strength. You see, I spent most of my Christian life just thinking that I needed to go to strength. That if I just, if I walked down the aisle at the right time, if I prayed the right prayer, if I got the proper discipline structured into my life, if I had that right crisis moment, if I went to the right church, if I read the right book, if I attended the right conference, then I would get the strength to go on and live the rest of the Christian life and everything would be easy. That's not the way God has set it up. God has set it up that we would go from strength to strength. The Lord's Prayer has us pray, give us today our daily 
bread, not give us a, a, a warehouse for the next year, not give us a pantry full for the next week, but that when it comes to strength, it comes to us on a moment by moment, day by day basis. It, it, it might have taken you just even strength for you to get yourself out of bed today and to, to turn your computer or your television on to start watching right now. You had to rely on God's strength just to get to that point, just to get breakfast on the table for yourself or for your family. It was, it was a step of faith, a seemingly small step, but it was a legitimate step of faith of relying on God's strength. And don't believe the lie that you just need some, some sort of special moment in your life to set things on autopilot so that you always have the strength moving forward. That is not the way that God has set it up. God has set it up that, that we move from strength to strength to strength to strength, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, depending on God's strength. This is the blessed life. Go back to verse five. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Verse eight says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Here, here the psalmist is living it out. This is me asking God for strength. I'm praying to you, God. Hear my prayer. Then there's the, a Selah. Another pause, another rest. Just take your hands off the instrument. Just stop singing, stop reading for a moment and just think, whose strength are you relying on right now? I know this is an exhausting time. It's mentally, physically exhausting. All of the different challenges and changes that are coming our way. Whose strength are you relying on? God is our strength. True blessing comes to those who long for his presence. True blessing comes to those who rely on his Strength. Maybe right now during the Selah, you need to cry out to cry out to God, just like the psalmist does in verse 8. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Hear me, God. I need your strength to get through the rest of this day, to get through the rest of this week. Then verse 9 leads us to our third and final stanza. So longing for God's presence, relying on God's strength, and then thirdly and lastly, trusting in God's goodness. Trusting in God's goodness. Verse nine says, behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. The psalmist is praying for the anointed king. He's praying that God would give favor just in the same way. We don't have an anointed king over, over Canada. <laughs> That's, well, I don't even, I'm not even going to say anything about that. I don't want to get into a, a political hornet's nest there. But listen, we do not have an anointed king, but it is good for us to pray for our political leaders on a municipal and regional level, on a provincial level, on a federal level. And even in the way we're seeing the way that different nations are interacting with one another and different organizations in the United Nations and beyond, we need to be praying for our political leaders. Verse 10 says, for a day in your courts is a better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist here says, listen, I, I would rather just for a moment, for a day rather than a thousand. 
And I'd rather be a doorkeeper rather than sitting in some seat of honor. I would rather just have a moment, a tiny little moment in an insignificant position in the kingdom of God than to be, have the most powerful and prominent position in the world to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Then he says, verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God does not withhold a single good thing from those who walk uprightly, from those who are walking on those highways in their heart that lead to Zion. No good thing. You see, God is a, is a parent. And uh, Lindsay and I have uh, four rambunctious, very energetic boys. And as parents, we are always trying to do what is good. We, we're not perfect, but we're always trying to do what's good for our kids. But so often our kids think that we are withholding from them things that are good. Why can't I have Doritos and Pepsi for breakfast? Because it's, it's not good. It might feel like it would be good in the moment, but it's not good. Why can't I stay up till 1130? Because it's not good. It's not good. No parent gives their children everything that the, child, the child thinks is good in the same way God is a good God and he doesn't always give us the things that we think are good. There are some times where we live uh, Psalm 34 that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some times where we, we can taste God's goodness. And listen, there are other times where we have to trust God's goodness. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. If, if you're in a place right now where you're not tasting God's goodness, listen, remember that you can trust in his goodness. Maybe there are things that you want for yourself. Maybe there are things that you are asking God to do, not just for you, but for people who you love and who you care about. Good things. And you are asking and asking that God would do them. We need to trust that he is good and blessed is the one who trusts in him. And listen, if we ever needed evidence to prove the goodness of God, it is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that the Psalm begins, how lovely is your dwelling place. John chapter one, Jesus was in the dwelling place of God. The word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh, John 1, 14, and dwelt among us. Jesus brought the dwelling place of God here on earth. Jesus went through his own valley of Baca, his own valley of tears. When he, when he prayed in agony in, in the garden of Gethsemane. Surely it would have been good for him to be spared the cross. And yet he trusted in his father. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. This Psalm talks about the doorkeeper. Jesus is the door. He is the one who welcomes us into the presence of God. We are blessed when we trust in him, when we see what God has given us in his son, 
We know that we serve a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And loved ones, the psalmist here says that it would be better to be there for a day than, than to be a thousand days in the tents of the wicked. But listen, Jesus has made it possible for us to be in the presence of God, not just for a day, but for all of eternity. Loved ones, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. A Toronto area pastor was on a train ride a number of years ago in the 1940s from Chicago to Texas. And while he was on the train, he authored a book, one of the most important Christian books written in the 20th century. He says, the man who has God for his treasure, the, the person who longs for God, has all things in one. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Or if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss for having the source of all things he has in one, all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing, for he now has it all in one. He has it purely, legitimately, and forever. O oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray, so that I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. The pastor was A.W. Tozer. The book is called The Pursuit of God. Longing for God. Longing to long for God. That is where true blessedness comes. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would take these truths and impress them upon us, Lord. As we have fed on your word, we pray that you would help us to metabolize it into our lives. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us. I pray that you would help us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.